0: Good morning, everyone. Happy uh, Super Bowl Sunday to all of you uh, today. One of my favorite parts of uh, this whole experience are the lovely, encouraging text messages that um, some of you have already started sending, uh, even to me this week. My favorite so far has been the picture of Bill Belichick in a Philadelphia Eagles maintenance uniform saying, look, the new maintenance man in the Philadelphia Eagles organization. And um, so I'm sure more will flow uh, this afternoon and especially this evening. But I want to welcome you to Hope Church. Uh, Some of you honestly have no idea there's even a game uh, tonight. You don't care anything about the Super Bowl. Uh, So... Forgive us for that, but I want to welcome you to Hope Church, especially for those who are new. You might be, this is your very first Sunday uh, here at Hope Church. We are just thrilled you're here. I want to let you know that Wednesday night, uh, we have a class, uh, when I call it class, it's not really a classroom setting. It's more of a, just a casual gathering. It's called Next Step, and it's for those who are new, fairly new to Hope Church, no cost, no need to sign up. If you're like, how do I get involved? Who's the staff? What is Hope Church about? What is our vision, ministries, uh, history? those types of questions, Wednesday night, 6.30, uh, here in Room 5. You can sign up in our main lobby on a clipboard. Uh, You can send us an email this week. We'd love to have you come. I teach that class. Uh, That's one of my favorite things to do uh, here at Hope is to interact with those who are new. So I'd love for you uh, to come. Um, I'd love for you to have your Bibles open to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew's in the New Testament. It's uh, the first book of the New Testament. The Bible is divided up into two main sections. You have Old Testament, New Testament, and today we're going to be in the book of Matthew, just a few verses in chapter 6. And this morning, we're in our fourth and final week uh, of a four-week series thinking about this theme before you, uh, uncomfortable. And over these four weeks, we have ventured into uh, what we would call uncomfortable subjects uh, that need to be talked about. And uh, I just want to, we've talked about uh, racism, we talked about the sanctity of life Uh, last week, we talked about uh, uh, sexual assault and harassment and abuse. And I just want to say before we uh, conclude this series, I want to say I have so appreciated the way you have engaged with this series uh, in a variety of ways. One, first, just by showing up. Um, Like we told you what we were going to be talking about. We didn't hide it, like sneak you in the door and say, hey, by the way, we're going to talk about these things. We communicated and even specifically when I say showing up, even specifically for those who on any given, any one of these topics, it was hard for you to hear based on maybe past experiences or your background, what you bring to these conversations And, and, but you still came. And you listened and you interacted. And some, uh, what I've appreciated about some is you've bought books and you're moving in and trying to learn more about uh, these subjects. Many of you are, as I've, again, got the chance to talk to some, are trying to, li- how you share with me how you're trying to live these out. And, and even specifically some, um, you sense God is giving you an opportunity, as we talked about the sanctity of life, like opening our home and our, uh, our families to other children to foster them, to adopt them, to take them in and provide a loving environment. And some families here at Hope Church are doing that. And so I just want to just say on behalf of our team and our staff, how we have appreciated uh, how you've interacted with this material. And today we wrap it up uh, by thinking about the topic before you there on the screen, money. And I told our team this week that you know you have talked about some pretty challenging subjects when you are looking forward to talking about money at church. (laughs) Like, yes, finally, money, I can do that. Like, that's a piece of cake. So when we think about money, again, it's one of those maybe uncomfortable subjects that um, sometimes uh, it seems like money and church don't go together and some might bring an experience to this topic today, that's, that's hard. And even as you think of it, you, you might be uh, maybe coming out of a, a background or a tradition and, and or maybe you are exploring church and thinking about getting back into church and that's why you're here and, and maybe one of the things that stopped you from going to church or you, one of the reasons why you left church was maybe the church you were part of, like you felt like that's all they talked about was money and that's really all they wanted from you uh, was your money. And we all, so we all bring different experiences and backgrounds uh, to this subject of money, but we're not really going to talk about giving tithing if you will uh, here to Hope Church, although that would be appropriate to talk about but before we get to way the way we're going to go with money. Uh, today, I do want to mention just one new initiative as it relates to money, uh, giving even a little bit here at Hope Church. It's a new initiative that we started this year, and it's called the Capital 50 Crew. And what that is, is some of you have heard us talk about this. We, we sent an email out uh, earlier in January. We talked about it at our annual meeting in November. What this Capital 50 Crew is, is we are looking, asking for 100 families or individuals to give $50 a month above and beyond their regular tithe they're offering here at Hope Church to our Capital Improvement Fund. And what our Capital Improvement Fund is, is this is the fund that, uh, that we use to pay for larger capital improvements to either our facility... Our uh, facilities uh, here at Hope Church are grounds. Um, and we have some pretty significant improvements, upgrades, if you will, that repairs uh, that we really want to try to make uh, to our current building and grounds uh, here in 2018. A few of them uh, would be the back part of our building over the women's restroom and our kitchen uh, is a roof that is in very bad shape. And uh, when we get significant rains, the, sometimes there is water coming into the women 's restroom and water in our kitchen and uh, we want to go after that project to repair, make the necessary repairs uh, replacement to that roof we 're also talking about our parking lot those of you who park in our upper parking lot you have avoided like the plague the potholes uh, that uh, run right across kind of by the steps there, and we want to try to take care of those the major repairs to our parking lot and seal it we 're also talking about adding a storage shed, a larger storage shed to our property to uh, we don't have much storage here at Hope, so to store things and also some lawn equipment that we're looking to buy. So we're going to be taking care of our own lawn uh, and grounds this year, and we want to need a space to store uh, those pieces of equipment. So those are some of the things that we're talking about this year. So uh, if 100 families uh, gave uh, this extra $50 a month uh, into this capital improvement, it would generate around $60,000, uh, which would cover uh, what we need. You can do this. You can uh, uh, contribute to this fund online. You can contribute through the uh, the offering envelopes, a check, whatever is more convenient for you. You can do it all at one time. I had a conversation just with someone before the service. Uh, can I do it all at once? Do I have to do it every month? No. You can do it all at once. You can do it quarterly. Whatever is easier for you. But we're just inviting those that feel led to do this. It would help not take budget money or general fund monies to do these major improvements here to our building and facilities. But um, just want to put that out there. And even in a general sense, even beyond just giving to the Capital 50 crew or the Capital Improvement Fund, um, I just want to say on behalf of our entire team, I want to say a thank you uh, for how faithfully you give uh, here at Hope Church, to support our general fund, missions, Samaritan fund. Um, I just want to say thank you. And I always think it's important when we talk about money uh, because we all bring different backgrounds and, and experiences and, and to this topic, especially as it relates to church. I want to let you know that none of our staff, our pastors, know what you give. Uh, <laughs> some of you have been part of churches where that, the pastors, the staff know, and and you're Communicated to when you're behind, so to speak, on your giving. Um, we don't do that uh, here at Hope. I have no idea. The only family I know what they give is, is our family. That's it. And that's the way it'll stay uh, here at Hope Church. So we just want to let you know that, even practical piece. But I just want to say a, a great thank you uh, for how faithfully and generously you give uh, here, week after week, month after month, here at Hope Church. So, so we're not talking about giving to Hope Church today. We're talking about, as we think about money, I want us to focus on giving to those in need. I want us to think about giving to what we might call the poor or the needy. 40% of the world's population ekes out in existence on less than $2 a day. 40% of the world's population ekes out in existence on less than $2 a day. And I think we would all acknowledge that poverty, the poor, there's different levels, degrees of it. You go to a third-world country, some of you have traveled to third-world countries, and you see poverty unlike we will ever see here in any setting, urban context, suburban context here in the United States. Uh, There's a group of high school students and adults who'll be traveling in July to Peru, to Trujillo, Peru. Friends, we will see there in Trujillo, Peru, poverty unlike we'll ever see here in the United States. And it's, in, it's good for us to think about that when we think of poverty, we're not just thinking that that is poverty, but sometimes even here in suburbia where we live, there's poverty. There's people in need. Now, sometimes in our context, in, in sub, the suburban context here, it, it's sometimes masked or it's not as obvious. We don't, we don't maybe walk down our neighborhood and there's people begging for money on the side of the road. There's homes and there's apartments and there's cars, there's, there's stuff happening. Sometimes the, the poverty or the need, if you will, is masked. But there's still needs, financial needs here in our context where we live today. And what I want us to think about today is what does it look like for us individually and fa- as a family, as families to respond to these needs that are around us? Not think organizationally, but, but what does it look like for us as we think of the resources that that we have that have been given uh, to us by God's grace. The resources vary, the amounts we have in our checking accounts and savings accounts and the resources we have and all vary in in a room this size and people here today. But what does it look like for us to, as we're aware of needs and we have the resources that might meet those needs to do it? And I want us to use Matthew chapter 6 to think about this. Let me read just four verses. That's what we're going to use today, four verses. Matthew chapter 6, it says this. Be careful not to do your, righteous act, your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, Do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by them. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be done in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will rewards you. The greater context of these just four verses that we're focusing on today in Matthew chapter 6, the greater context is called the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, you might be familiar with it. That is the, the greater teaching context of the teaching that Jesus gives. It covers chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew. And it's given the name Sermon on the Mount simply because Jesus is on a mountainside he's on a hillside. So he's elevated. He's on, a, he's on a hillside. He's on a mount, so to speak. And he delivers this teaching. And so much of the teaching, he's helping people know what does life look like in my kingdom? If you're going to follow me, what is life going to look like? How do you flesh this out if you're going to be a part of my kingdom, if you're going to be one of my followers? And, and in chapter 6, the first part of chapter six, Jesus addresses what is called there in verse one, acts of righteousness. It's, it's this public display. It's what people see uh, of our faith. It's, it's after this inner transformation that has happened to us. It's not just to be something that happens on the inside. It it, it changes us on the inside, but it's not supposed to stay there, but it's to impact how we live out our faith. In Jesus, in, in these verses here in Matthew, chapter 6, he addresses what we would call the three pillars, in this context, three pillars of public religious life. Giving alms to the poor, or alms means mercy, giving to the, uh, those in need, showing mercy through our giving of our resources to the needy. That's the first pillar. The second pillar, again, we're not going to talk about these other two, but is prayer. And the third pillar is fasting. Those three, giving to the needy, prayer, and uh, uh, fasting were the three pillars, if you will, three core spiritual disciplines, if you will, in the first century that uh, that, follower, that, that Jew, good Jewish followers of God, these are things that were part of the rhythm of their life. You gave to the poor, you prayed, and you fasted. And these are called public acts of righteousness or outward because many times you would do them in public. You're not doing it in secret. You're not doing it behind closed doors. People could see you do it. And there's a danger, and we'll talk about this, there's a danger to the public side of our faith. Why we do whatever we do, why I'm doing this preaching today, what are, what are the motives, why are we here, where people see us here today, and what's the motive, it's public, and, and Jesus is addressing these public acts of righteousness, and we're just going to focus on the first one, giving to the needy, and I just have two points today, that's it, pretty simple, straightforward outline. We're going to talk first about when you give, and then we're going to talk about why you give. And first, I want us to talk about when. When you give. Again, in verse 1 and 2, it says, Be careful. Be aware. Be cautious. Pay attention to these things, Jesus would be saying there. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men. He's not saying never do them. He's not saying, he realizes there is an element of, our, of, of, going, of being public with our faith, that people are going to see us. He's not saying never do it, but he says be aware, be cautious. Be aware of the dangers of the public element or aspects of our faith. To be seen by them, and we'll talk more about that on the why side, why we give. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And then verse 2, So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and on the streets to be honored by them. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. And we'll get more into the why, but before we get to the why we give, we need to think first about when. When we give giving alms, showing mercy to the poor through our money, resources, was such a part of this culture and the practice of this culture that Jesus doesn't even have to address, you need to do this. Because in his teaching... He knows, it's a safe assumption, that it's already taking place. And what Jesus deals mostly with is the why. Why? Because that's more the issue here in the first century. We'll talk about the why, but I felt like for us here in this context, sometimes we maybe we will think about the why. I think we, to some degree, we most part, we get the why. Why do I do this? But I want us to think mostly today about when and to ask ourselves are we regularly considering, thinking about how we can use our resources to help those in need? Is it part of our mindset? Is it part of our budgets? Is it, is it part of our thinking? Are we praying? Are we watching for opportunities that might be right around us right now, even in, even in the suburbs, to help those in need. This isn't something new that Jesus is like just throwing out there like, hey, here's some new teaching. But it's actually from beginning to end, cover to cover of the Bible. This the idea of helping the poor, giving to the poor those in need, is is a theme throughout the scriptures. You can see it from cover to cover, just two verses, Deuteronomy, uh, chapter 15, you can throw it up. Deuteronomy chapter 15, so the beginning of the Bible. Uh, this is in the context of the canceling of debts. Uh, the, the seven years, you can't, after the seven years, you cancel debts. And in the midst of that teaching in Deuteronomy 15, uh, it says this, there will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, in light of that reality, they're always going to be there. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed toward your brothers and toward the poor. And needy in your land. In light of that reality, that they're always going to be there, I command you. It's not. I suggest if you if you can, if you want to, I command you to live open handed, to give open handed, not hold tightly. And then uh, a few, uh, we'll get back to First John there, but Matthew chapter 25, Jesus talked about helping the hungry, the thirsty, those that need clothes, those that need shelter, the sick, the least of these. And he says, when you've done it for the least of these people in need, you've done it for me. And then you go to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John is where we uh, spent uh, uh, 8, 12 weeks this summer as a church. You might remember these words uh, this summer, this past summer from 1 John. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, no compassion, no, the the idea there's mercy. Like, I'm going to do something about this. I want to help you. How can the love of God be in him? And we could talk about scores of other verses and stories and passages throughout the word of God. There's this theme that the resources that we have been given aren't just for us to use on us, our families, our, what we, our needs. They are, but that's not it. We're to be people that live, like it said in Deuteronomy, open-handed towards those in need now let's be honest as we think about giving to the needy even right now and even this week as i was preparing there are obstacles that kind of come up in us they come up in us one obstacle could be i'm just getting by myself how in the world we're just getting by how can we help others and and that's a that's a valid obstacle that's a real concern and we might say, I don't, another obstacle could be, I don't, I don't have enough. I, when, I, when I make this amount, when my paycheck jumps to this amount, when my savings account gets here, when my bank account, my whatever, for, like, gets here, then I'll do it. It's interesting to me the context of the teaching of Matthew with the Sermon on the Mount. The, the, the group that is hearing this teaching, and we're just talking specifically about Matthew 6, most of these would not have been CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. These would have been people that are just getting by. We could use the phrase paycheck to paycheck, but in this context, first century context, Matthew 6 context, it's probably more like day to day getting by. Like where are we going to eat today? And Jesus says, when you give to the needy. So there isn't a sense of, well, our income then determines us being able to help or as a factor, obviously it is a factor, but it's not something that should prohibit us. And again, as we think about giving to the poor, all, the, all those in need, um, there are so many thoughts that come to our minds. What would they do with the money? They'd probably misuse it in some way. they just go back to that, they'd just be back next month, next week. And some of us bring to this conversation experiences of being burned, so to speak. We have given, and they're back again. And they're back again. Or we have loaned family. Some of you have had conversations with some that have had to work through, do I loan a family member? Do I help them financially? And you've worked through that and you've given and, and nothing has come back. So, so these, all of these realities come into the equation, come into the conversation, and there's no simple, simple cookie cutter, do we help this person, do we help that person? There's no simple formula to work it through. Each case is unique and each situation is unique. But before we even get to the obstacles, friends, are we even putting ourselves in situations where we have to consider these things? Like when was the last time you and I really had to consider, do I really, do I, can we help this person? or family or neighbor or friend and work through the questions. And sometimes we, we start thinking of all the obstacles first before we're even putting ourselves in a situation, in an experience or a, a context where we, we're actually contemplating helping, writing a check, handing someone cash, befriending someone. Jesus doesn't deal with any of that. He just believes, says, you'll be helping when you give to help those in need. And I really want to broaden our perspective today, not just to think about helping with resources to those in need, but I want us to even think about helping with our relationships, our friendships. And and, and I think we would all admit sometimes the best thing is not to give money or a resource or write a check to throw money at a situation. Sometimes, honestly, that's easier. But I wonder maybe... Sometimes God would be asking us to give resources, but I wonder for some, it might be, are you willing to offer relationship to someone? And the reason I bring that up is it's interesting how those in poverty view poverty. I came across this story this week that at the end of World War II, the Allies established the World Bank to finance the rebuilding of war-torn Europe. The World Bank efforts were remarkable, remarkably successful and the European economies experienced the fastest growth in history. And given that success in Europe, the World Bank said, well, let's try the same thing in low-income uh, low countries. Let's give them money to then booster, bolster the economy, help get them out of poverty. So the results were less than stellar. Pouring in capital had worked to rebuild like countries like France, but it did little in places like India. And on the surface, the problems looked the same. Poverty, starvation, refugees, lack of infrastructure, inadequate social services, uh, tough economics, but something was different, they said. And the World Bank continued to try to alleviate poverty in low-income countries, which resulted with very mixed results. And finally, during the 1990s, after decades of this, giving loans, money, to these low-income countries and seeing such varied results and very few getting out of their situation, during the 90s, after decades of these results, the World Bank tried a new approach. And instead of consulting financial experts, they interviewed the poor. And they interviewed 60,000 poor people from 60 low-income countries and asked them the basic question, what is poverty? There's a number of responses. I'll just share a few of what people from, again, a variety of low-income, poor countries said. For a poor person, everything is terrible. Illness, humiliation, and shame. This person said, we are like garbage that everyone wants to get rid of. One person said, when one is poor, she has no say in public. She feels inferior. It's interesting, they go on to say, while poor people mention having a lack of material things, resources, home, shelter, those types of things, they tend to describe their condition in far more psychological and social terms than those of us here in North America. In North America, we tend to, when we think of poverty, we tend to emphasize a lack of material things such as food, money, clean water, medicine, housing, shelter, you go on and on. But poor people typically talk in terms of shame, inferiority, powerlessness, humiliation, fear, hopelessness, depression, social isolation, and voicelessness. And I just bring that to our attention today. It was eye-opening for me because when I think of even this text and we think of helping those in need, we think with a North American mindset here and and we think, well, they just need material things. They need money. They need resources. They need shelter. And those things are all important. But at the same time, friends, let's not just be willing to throw or give resources, but are we willing at the same time to offer relationship and friendship See, money won't help shame. Money won't help hopelessness. Money won't help social isolation. Money won't help voicelessness. But you know what could change someone's whole perspective on themselves and life? Is a friend. Who is willing to walk with them. And love them. And befriend them. And treat them as a person made in the image of God. And maybe there are some people even around you that you're thinking about even right now that aren't in your economic status, so to speak, uh, income level. And you can tell that maybe by the home and the car and, clo- and just conversations. And you may wonder, what, what do I do? How can I help? And you've maybe heard of some needs. Maybe the greatest thing God is inviting you to do is not write a check, but be a friend and have them in your home and go to their home. And just be a friend. So let's be willing to invest both our resources and relationships. And that's more time consuming than anything, even writing a check. So friends, I want to encourage us to think about when. When we give. And let's wrap up by talking about why. Why we give. And again, I think, I think the most part, uh, we get this. We get the not giving with fanfare, the, the why we give. Again, in verse 1, it says, be, be careful, be aware, not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. Don't, don't do these things so people can look, wow, look how much money they are giving out. Look how much money they've donated. Look at the good they're doing so we feel better. And Jesus points out in this first century context, that's what was happening. This pillar, this good uh, pillar, God-honoring pillar of giving to the needy, giving to the poor was being misused. It was being misused as a platform to say, look how spiritual, look how great, look how godly I am by the money I am giving to those in need. And in verse two, it says, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets. Now, there's, there's some debate, like, are they really talking about, like, as people gave money to the poor, a trumpet is being blown. Probably not. But the idea is they are making people aware. Maybe they're clearing their throats, a little bit. As in the synagogue, it says, "As the hypocrites." The idea of hypocrite is a actor in a play that wears a mask. And they're putting on a mask. They're not being authentic. They're not being real. The motive, they're pretending, if you will. As the hypocrites do in the synagogues, then the gatherings would have been a place where the poor would have gathered regularly, a place where they knew. There's generous people there. And they would help. They would give money. They would give coins. They would give change. They would help people. So in the synagogues and on the streets, so as beggars are just lining the streets of Jerusalem, there were these hypocrites, these religious people that would just let people know, look what I'm doing for this person. And they would do these things to be seen by men. I tell you, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. So how do we combat the, the pride that can easily well up in any one of us to say, look what I'm doing. Specifically as it relates to giving to the poor. But when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So that your giving may be done in secret. That's the heart behind that, that imagery there. Don't let your left. Obviously, your left hand is going to know what your right is. But the idea of is just the secrecy. It's so secret. You you don't. You do it with such low fanfare that no. You don't even know what you're doing, so to speak. That your left hand doesn't even know that your right hand's giving something. And you're not doing it for the applause, so that your giving may be done in secret. Then your father, who sees, and throughout this passage, is your father sees what you're doing in secret: praying in secret, fasting in secret, giving in secret. Your father sees what is done. There's a reward. There's a blessing, and we don't get specifically like what the reward is. Some of us want like, give me the tangible. What is that reward? But I believe there's the rewards, the blessings that God would give us as we even think and care and tangibly give our resources and relationships with the poor. There are rewards that God wants to give us even in this life because he sees what is done in secret and he rewards us. Why we do what we do matters. Why you and I help someone in need matters. And even I believe it's so appropriate that we took communion today before even this sermon, before this message, because we were reminded of the grace and mercy that we have been shown. Why do we help those in need? Friends, because we're all broken. We might have a larger home and more cars and our bank accounts might have more income, more money, our savings accounts might have more than what the person we're trying to help does. But friends, we are all broken people. And I believe out of what God has already done for us, we show mercy. And I believe in one of the ways we can show mercy is by those opportunities God would give us being led by him to help those in need, both with our resources and our relationship. We don't give for fanfare. We don't give for praise. We don't give for the accolades. We give because God has first given to us and we help others. So let's just wrap up by talking about how do we take this beyond Sunday? How do we take it beyond today? Just three quick thoughts. First, debt. Debt. One of the practical steps for you and I that we might have to address is debt. If we are even going to consider helping people financially, some of us, we are just burdened, overloaded, inundated with debt. One article I read this week said that the average American household carries $15,000 in credit card debt. The average household in the United States carries $15,000 just in credit card. There's a safe debt of house and car and those investments, but like the the consumer debt, friends, is off the charts. And if we are going to be people that are even thinking about others, we first have to bring in, rein in maybe our spending and maybe take care of some debt that is just handcuffing us. And I'm thankful there's a number even going through the financial peace course and learning how to take care of debt and giving and managing their finances and all of that, that we have to think about debt and taking care of it, intentionally taking care of it. Intentionality. And what I mean by this is I want to encourage us to be strategic. This isn't something I, I think we just, just like, spont- it can be a spontaneous, spontaneous thing that happens, but I want to encourage us to be strategic. That could mean for some of us, we have to, maybe first you have to have a budget. Here's my income, here's how I'm going to budget. And then maybe part of that budget is say, okay, what could we do this month as a family, as an individual, say, okay, let's set aside $20, and let's set aside $20 each week, each month, whatever it might be to say. And then say, God, we're just going to wait and see maybe the needs that will pop up around us. And we might be able to bless that person or that family or that person in our kid's school or neighbor. But, but there's a strategic effort. Another way we can think about this too being strategic is when you and I are traveling into places where we know we're going to see maybe someone on the side of the road begging, we prepare for that. And maybe it's not money. When Lori and I and our kids go to Edgewater uh, Beach, Edgewater Park, uh, we usually take 71 to get off at Denison and, and take, go in from there. And I'd say nine times out of ten, we get off on Denison, off 71. There is a person standing right at that light we get off begging for food and money. money, And he usually has a sign. And I've thought so many times, why don't we just bring extra food with us? We know he's going to be there. I probably don't want to give him 20 bucks, but I'm going to hand him a bag of food. And when you and I are making trips into places where we know this is going to be reality, we plan ahead. And I think even for us that have have kids still in the house, it shows our kids this is important to us. We want to help take care of those in need. And then lastly, relationships. And this brings us back to what we talked about earlier. We talked about racism a few weeks ago. We talked about listening and learning from those who have different experiences than us. And sometimes we look at those who are in poverty or poor, weak, and sometimes tell their story. This is why they're in that situation. And I would say poverty is a combination of both personal decisions and systemic issues. And it's usually not one or the other. It's usually both and. Decisions someone has made, a family has made, and systemic issues that are complicating that. But we can, without knowing, we can sometimes fill in the blanks and tell the stories. And, and I would encourage us to be those that, instead of filling in the blanks, are willing to befriend and have relationships and friendships. And that takes more time and energy. But I believe, long term, friends, it is one of the most loving things we can do. So, might we even consider relationships? And I'm not saying you befriend someone, you go up to them tomorrow and say, well, you know what? I know you're poor. And I'd like to be your friend. Please don't do that. My pastor told me to befriend you because I know you're poor. Please don't do that. But friends, if you think about people, maybe in your context, neighborhood, workplace, that you don't naturally maybe hang out with or talk with, but you just kind of know, like, there are some needs there. Maybe this is the message you need to hear to say, you know what, I'm just going mean, to befriend them and start slowly building a relationship. I want to just throw back up as we wrap up Deuteronomy and 1 John. Again, just to be reminded as I, as I pray for us, there will always be the poor in the land. That's reality. Still, thousands of years later. Therefore, I command you, let's be open-handed toward our brothers and toward the poor and the needy in the land. And even reading the context of this passage, this verse here in 1 John, before in verse 17, it says, in verse 16, it says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. We talked about that just a moment ago in communion. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. And then John goes into this phrase, this verse. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, with just what we say, but with actions and truth. Let's love with our actions, with our resources, and with our relationships. Let me pray for us. So God, I want to thank you for this text. I want to thank you for Matthew 6. I want to thank you for the Sermon on the Mount. And and God, I just, even this, this short four verses, when you give to the needy, God, forgive us for running quickly to the obstacles, to the objections, to the, uh, oh, I can't do that, or what are they going to do with this, or, Lord, without even being in a situation where we're even considering giving to the needy. So God, open our eyes. Maybe there are needs that we have been unaware of, but maybe even this morning we're seeing with new eyes, people, we even have people, families, neighbors on our minds even now. God, give us wisdom as we think about stewarding our resources. Help us take care of debt to not consume so much that we just can't even think about helping anyone else. And Lord, I pray you would always check our motives. Why? Why are we doing this? That the why matters. And we never do it for the praise or accolades or the applause, but do it because you first have given to us so, so much mercy and grace that we We do, we show it in a number of ways. We show hope in a number of ways, show kindness and love in a number of ways. And one of the ways is through helping, tangibly helping with our resources, our relationships, our time. So help us, God, to live this out. In your name, we pray these things. Amen.